بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قال المصنف أبي إسحاق الإلبيري رحمه الله وأنت الآن لم تعرف بعاب ولا دنست ثوبك مذ نشأت ولا سابقت في ميدان زور ولا أوضعت فيه ولا خببت فإن لم تنأ عنه نشبت فيه وملك بالخلاص إذا نشبت ودنس ما تطهر منك حتى كأنك قبل ذلك ما طهرت وصرت أسير ذنبك في وثاق وكيف لك الفكاك وقد أسرت وخف أبناء جنسك وخش منهم كما تخش الضراغم والسبنت بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل وبارك وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد we continue with the manzuma of Abi Ishaq al-Ilbiri on the importance of seeking knowledge and the importance of living a life of obedience in this few abiyat that the Sheikh just recited, Abu Ishaq continues to give advice to the young man. He says to him, at the present moment, you have not yet deadened your thobe. Your shirt is still clean at the moment because you're a young man. You've not been through what we have been through. When a person is born, the person is born clean. He has not committed any sins. He is absolutely innocent. But as he lives in the world and comes in touch with certain evil people, he begins to imitate that evil. Eventually, his clean thobe, which is a white shirt, pure white shirt, eventually becomes dirty because of the world into which he is born. So Abu Ishan, your shirt is not yet dirty. It's still pure white because you've not been through what we've been through. We deadened our shirts. How did we deaden them? Through disobeying Allah. We did bad things. And doing bad things is like making your spirit dirty. It becomes filthy. You may wash it, but it won't be the same thing. It still looks dirty. It's like a white shirt, you know, that constantly becomes dirty and then it's washed and then it gets dirty again and it's washed. It may be clean, but when you look at it, you know something about it has, has changed. It's not the same pure white color that it had in the, in the beginning. And our hearts are the same. He says, we're elderly people. We've been through a lot. Maybe we made tawbah. We asked Allah to forgive us. It's like we washed our shirts, but some of the dirt will stick. They say, mud sticks. Mud sticks. If someone throws some mud at you and you're wearing something white, you may wash it, but then when you look carefully, you'll see that the mud has stuck. And the same thing happens in life. When you do something bad, 
you become a slave of the bad thing that you have done because it sticks. People tend not to forget. If a person is caught doing something bad today, obviously tomorrow he won't be the same person. He will be a different person. He may have made tawbah. Maybe he made someone, akramakumullah, he made someone pregnant outside wedlock five years ago. And today he has repented. He's not the same man. But people will not forget. Each time they talk about him, they'll say, which one? The, the one who has a child outside wedlock. How old is the child? The child is probably now 20 years old or 25 years old. This man probably has changed. He made tawbah, but in the eyes of the people, he remains the same. He washed his shirt when it became dirty, but people still think his shirt is dirty. This advice is to the young man. Before your shirt gets dirty, just make sure it doesn't get dirty because you won't be able to wash it once it's dirty. Once you dip it in mud, hoping you're going to wash it and come clean, you will never come clean. At one time I was saying, probably the most reasonable person in our societies is the tailor. The tailor, the one who sews clothes. Personally, I think he's a very, very reasonable person. When you go to a tailor and ask him to make a boo-boo for you, or trousers, or a shirt. He takes your measurements, right? And then he makes the shirt for you. But if you come five months later and say, I need another shirt, what does the tailor do? He says, oh, I already know your size, so I'm going to make it. He doesn't do that. What does he do? He takes fresh measurements. Why? Because he knows that people change. The person whose measurements I took yesterday or five months ago is not the same person today because people can change overnight. You try this. Taylor takes measurements today. If you go one week later, he will insist on fresh measurements because he knows overnight people can change. He's probably the only man in society who understands that people change. The rest of us don't understand that people change. Once you commit something, you become a slave to that. It's inevitable. And you're going to live with it forever. The best thing is never to start in the first place. Don't do it at all, especially when you are young. For the young men, who've not yet found themselves in situations, dirty situations, such as zina, riba, by zina I mean adultery, by riba I mean consuming interest, beer drinking, and other things which Allah has forbidden, the best thing is not to start in the first place, because once you do it, you will be a slave forever. You will be a slave forever. It will be a point of reference every time. 20 years later, 30 years later, people will say, this is what he did. This ma'asiyah comes to haunt us. 
and I say that another time, if you do something bad today and Allah does not expose you or Allah doesn't punish you, don't think it's over. Do not think it's over and the chapter is, is closed. A person may commit zina today and nothing happens and he thinks, well, I, I do zina privately and nothing has happened to me. Sins sometimes come to haunt us 20 years later and 30 years later or even 40 years later. Sometimes you don't know what is happening in your life but you've forgotten the haram that you planted in the, in the past. You've become a slave to that haram. So he is advising him. He says, my son, young man, I admire your pure white shirt. You've not yet fallen into ma'asuya. You haven't detoned your shirt. Therefore, don't deton it. Don't begin. Because once you begin, you will become a slave. If you fall into ma'asuya, the ma'asuya is going to stick probably into your old age. There are certain bad habits and acts of disobedience which people started at an early age, maybe when they were 15 or 16 years old, and those bad habits have stuck into their old age. He smoked his first cigarette when he was 15 years old, and he thought it was a passing phase. He thought, well, it's, it's some of those things we enjoy when we are young, but he became a slave. <clears throat> From the age of 15 until the age of 70, 75, he couldn't quit. It became slavery, and that is the way Masya is, disobedience is like that. Before you touch anything Allah has forbidden, I'm speaking to you, the young man especially. Before you touch anything Allah has forbidden, tell yourself this has the potential of turning me into a slave until I die. You tell yourself that. Remind yourself before you touch it. Before you touch that cigarette, tell yourself I could become a slave of this until I'm put in my grave. Before you begin zina akramakumullah, before you begin fornication, tell yourself, I could become a slave to this fornication until I'm put in my grave. And so, every ma'asiyah. And this is wonderful advice which Abu Ishaq al-Ilbiri gives to the young man. What is the advice? Don't start. Don't start. Your shirt is still clean. As for us, our white shirts are now cream because of the Masriya. We can't go back. We cannot undo it. But for you, we admire you for what you are. For your clean shirt, so don't detonate. To the fathers in here and the mothers, when you go home, make sure you sit down with your children and tell them about the clean clothes which they have at the moment. You tell them what value those clothes have. Call your son, ask him to sit down. Say, my son, at the present moment, you have a white shirt which has not been detoned. Please do not detonate. Don't turn yourself into a slave because once you begin, 
you will never stop. Tell him, I admire you. The problem is for me at your age, I had no one to tell me. But now I'm telling you, don't deaden your shirt. Because once you do it, you will never be able to clean it again. And you will remain a slave forever. Now. I thought of it. قبل ذلك قبل ذلك الشيخ سليمان قبل ذلك بثلاثة أبيات نعم ودنس ما تطهر منك حتى كأنك قبل ذلك ما طهرت وصرت وصرت أسير ذنبك في وثاق وكيف كان وكيف لك الفكاك وقد أسرت وخف أبناء جنسك وخش منهم كما تخش الضراغم والسبنت نعم شو سا um you should fear bad company bad friends be afraid of them this advice again is to the young men you should be afraid of them كما تخش الضراغم Al-Daraghima in Arabic is a lion. Dargham is a lion, the plural, Al-Daraghima. I told you at one time that Arabic is extremely rich. And it has up to 500 nouns for the lion alone. Uh, it's called Al-Asad. It's called Al-Dargham. It's also called what? Ka'annahum humurum mustanfirah. Forward Kaswara is also a lion and several other names. We, we never saw a language so so rich. In the same way that you are afraid of the lion, and in the same way that you are afraid of the leopard. Sabanta is the nimr, the uh, leopard. I don't think you want anything to do with, with a lion or to have some dealings with, with a leopard, to, to be in their company, even if they, they say they're your friends. You could keep a small lion, but then as it grows, even you have to be careful, because eventually uh, you're going to fall prey to the lion. And also the nimr, same behavior, the tiger, the leopard as well. So be afraid of bad company, bad friends. In the same way that you are afraid of a lion, bad company has destroyed many a young person. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَثَلُ الْجَلِيسِ الصَّالِحِ وَجَلِيسِ السُّوءِ كَحَامِلِ الْمِسْكِ وَنَافِخِ الْكِيذِ فَحَامِلُ الْمِسْكِ إِمَّا أَنْ يُهْدِيَكَ وَإِمَّا أَنْ تَبْتَعَ مِنْهُ وَإِمَّا أَنْ تَجِدَ مِنْهُ رِيحًا طَيِّبًا وَنَافِخُ الْكِيرِ إِمَّا أَنْ يُحَرِّقَ ثِيَابَكَ وَإِمَّا أَنْ تَجِدَ مِنْهُ رِيحًا مُنْتِنًا The example or the similitude of a good friend and a bad friend is 
that of a seller of misk, a seller of perfume, and a blacksmith. Imagine you have two friends. One of them sells perfume. Another one is a blacksmith. If you're smartly dressed and you visit a friend of yours who sells perfume, you go to his shop, chances are you might get a small bottle and say, my friend, uh, this is a gift, please uh, use it. Or you could buy some perfume from him. Or just by sitting in the shop, you come out smelling very good. Now, that is a good friend. Each time I go to him, I come back smelling nice because of the perfume that he sells. It doesn't matter how I obtain it. It could be something I bought or a gift he gave me. Or maybe just some uh, good smell that I caught in, in his shop. But he's a good friend because when I visit him, I always get a good smell. If you have a friend who is a blacksmith, those who melt, you know, like metals, you know how their shops look, full of smoke and soot. When you get into them, if you're smartly dressed, by the time you come out, if he doesn't burn your clothes, then you come out smelling very bad. Smelling of smoke. Either he's going to burn your thobe, you know, when he starts blowing that thing, you find us, my friend, but you, you burned it. Or it has become dirty. Or I don't smell good because of the smell of uh, the shop. Inevitably, friends are like that. When you have bad friends, you automatically get their habits. If you're found in the company of the ulama, the company of the scholars, eventually you start learning things from them. You cannot travel one hour, two hours with a scholar without learning something new. You only need five, ten minutes in their company and there's so many good things that you're going to learn from them. And for bad people, you won't be in their company one hour, two hours without knowing how to, uh, uh, how to hook up with a girl. You will learn that, definitely. How, how to hook up with a girl, what language to use, how to, uh, how to uh, uh, smoke without being detected. How to, those are the things that you learn from bad people. So Abu Ishaq al-Albiri says to this young man, beware of bad company. Run away from them. Be afraid of them. And you do remember last time in explaining the manduma, this manduma of Abu Ishaq al-Albiri, I did mention that when a person obeys Allah, happiness comes into their life and happiness comes to a community that, that obeys Allah. As for those who believe in Allah and do righteous good deeds, the most gracious Allah creates love between them. If you have a house, and you find that there is no peace in the house, there is no tranquility in the house, husband and wife forever fighting, the children fighting among themselves, never any peace, never any tranquility in the home, it means Allah is being disobeyed in that home. A home that obeys Allah has love. If you fear Allah in your home, 
and your wife fears Allah. Sayaj'alu lahumur rahman wudda love is going to come into the house. When you disobey Allah, there is confusion in the house. The majority of us see things not going well in our homes and we start wondering what, what has gone wrong. Some people tell us, you know, rubbish like someone is, someone is jealous and uh, therefore they're doing some juju so that uh, uh, you hate your wife and so that the wife hates the husband. Have you tried obeying Allah? Have you tried being obedient, praying five times a day? And doing everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded. This is going to bring wood, love in the house. This ta'a raises a person and promotes love in the society. Someone was asking me, you know when you look at the companions of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa the men around the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa the love among them. How they preferred someone else above themselves. You know the popular story of a stranger who comes in the time of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You know the majority of these companions of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam were poor people. So the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, who is going to host our brother? He has nowhere to sleep, he has no food to eat. He is a stranger, who's going to host him? This man, without thinking twice, just says, Ya Rasulullah, Messenger of Allah, I'll host him in my home. Without even thinking about, is there food in the home or no food? Then after saying that, he realizes there is actually no food at, at his home. He didn't think. When Rasulullah says, who's going to host him? He says, I will do it. It was this, this is an obligation. This is a visitor. I have to host him. Now the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, all right, so you take him. On his way home, he starts thinking, but what's he going to eat? So he gets home and he asks his wife, my, my wife, do we have uh, anything for, for our visitor to eat? He says, how do you take on visitors? We barely have enough food for your children. There's very little food for supper. It's not enough even for the children. But then you decide to bring in someone, a visitor, a stranger. He says, all right, so uh, what are we going to do? You bring the food. And the children should come. Everyone should sit. Then when we begin eating, you knock the lamp over so that it becomes dark. And when it's dark, don't eat. All right? When it's dark, don't eat. Pretend to be eating. Chew and pretend to eat. But tell the children not to eat, let the visitor eat. They're equally hungry, aren't they? They also need food. But they prefer someone else above themselves. So the wife does what the husband said. She knocks over the lamp and it's dark. And the visitor doesn't know that they're not eating. And he continues to eat. Until he eats to his fill. And they go to bed hungry. In the morning, he meets the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says to him, Allah knows what you did last night. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says to him, Allah knows what you did last night. So I'm saying, this kind of love among them, where did it come from? Why don't we have it? They loved each other so much. 
on the battlefield, there's very little water for someone to drink in order to survive. And three people are dying. They give it to the first one. He says, no, no, no. My neighbor needs it more. They give it to him. He says, no, no, no. Give it to, to my friend. He needs it more. Then it goes back to the first person. And they all die without drinking the water. Everyone prefers the other above himself. My question is, why and why don't we have it today? What is the reason? There is no wood among us today because we are not alladina amanu wa amilu salihat. When we work righteous good deeds, love is going to come among us. But if we don't obey Allah, there will be no love. People who don't pray can't love each other. People who disobey Allah cannot love each other. It's never going to happen. The ummah is divided. Why is the ummah divided? Because the ummah doesn't pray. The ummah disobeys Allah. Our women don't wear the hijab. We listen to music. We dance. We do all the things that Allah has forbidden. So how's the ummah going to have wood? How's the love going to come? There's a condition for the love. Those who believe and do righteous good deeds, Allah is going to create love for them. So where is the love going to come from? It's not enough to stand on the mimbar and say, love each other, love one another. That's not enough. The love comes through ibadah. And saddiquni, believe me, if you go to any home where people pray salah and they obey Allah, when you enter the home, you see the love in the house. You can see it. And a house where Allah disobeyed, is disobeyed, where shaitan lives, when you enter, you see, you, you, you see the hatred, the lack of love in the house. No coordination. No love whatsoever. So whatever problems we have in our homes... Whatever problems we have in our communities in terms of quarreling and not loving one another and division are a result of lack of ta'a, not obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this ma'asiyah has an adverse effect on our families and our communities. So Abu Ishaq al-Ilbiri, rahimahullah, may Allah uh, reward him for this wonderful advice advises the young man not to open the door to disobedience in the first place. Don't open this door. You are still clean. And in order for you not to open this door, run away from people who disobey Allah. Do not be found in their company. Do not take people who disobey Allah for friends. Find a friend who is able to guide you. A friend who says, let's pray. A friend who says, don't, don't talk about people, it's, it's haram. A friend who says, let's not do this. this, this is haram. A friend who says, can you listen to my Quran? And can I also listen to your Quran? Some communities, subhanAllah, so amazing. So amazing. You find a group of people, wherever they are, they may be at the, at the hospital, waiting for their appointment with the doctor, and there are three gentlemen or four gentlemen, and you find them reading the Quran in, in turns. 
For example, if if I read li the next one the next person the next person they're sitting there waiting for the doctor. By the time the doctor comes, they've finished half a juice. They have the love for the Quran. And people who obey Allah and read Quran together, have you seen the kind, the kind of love that Allah has created among them? Have you seen it? Look at groups of students, the attachment. How they are so attached together, how they love each other. Why? Because it's the Quran that brings them together. They are students of ilm. And they have something in the middle that, brings them, that acts like a magnet. It brings them together. They have tranquility. This tranquility is found in the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I'm sure you know several people to whom you are attached, not, not because of anything. You don't do business with them. You get my point? Certain people, you are attached to them. You don't do business with them, but because you do some obedience with them and you've become best of friends because of ibadah and this is the best friendship ever. We can stop here by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We will continue insha'Allah um, uh, next week Wednesday. Our next mahadara is on Saturday tafsir. Is that correct? No, Saturday fiqh and Sunday tafsir. وَلَا تَقُولَنَّ لِشَيْءٍ إِنِّي فَاعِلٌ ذَلِكَ غَدَى إِلَّا إِنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهِ سبحان الله بحمده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين <تصفيق>